Hi, welcome to Scattered. We're a group of friends from the same church who are serving God in different countries and we're meeting online to chat through books of the Bible, chapter by chapter. We'd love you to join us. Hi everybody, welcome to Scattered. It's lovely to have you with us. This morning I am with Mary and Juliet. Sadly, we are missing Hermione, who is doing some singing in French for Christmas. <laughs> so she's sacked us off for some French choir, but we're hoping she might be back with us very soon. But don't um, worry, we have Hermione version 2.0 with us. <laughs> Juliet <What>? has <laughs> happily taken on that mantle, so any geeky questions we'll be directing to her. Mary's already warned us that she's not done loads of prep today, so anything coming out of Mary's mouth might be a little bit rogue. Yeah, we're looking forward to looking at God's Word together. So, just so that you're up to speed with where we're up to in the story of Joseph, last week was the big reveal. Joseph um, revealed himself to his brothers and there was an amazing reconciliation. Um, Previous to that, we'd seen God changing through attesting hard circumstances, the brothers, in a way, the way to that, that, that mirrored the way that Joseph had been through hard seasons um, and God had used that to refine him. And so after they've changed, then there's a beautiful scene of reconciliation. And then after that moment, Joseph sends his brothers to go and get his father. He says to them really movingly, is my dad still alive? And they say he is. And so he sends the brothers back to Canaan to bring Jacob to him. And so that's where we ended last week with Jacob really struggling to believe that Joseph is alive still. But then he comes to accept that when he sees, when he hears the whole story from the brothers and when the brothers confess their sin um, against their father. And when he sees all the wagons from Egypt that Joseph has sent to bring him to himself. So that's the summary of where we're up to, ladies. Juliet, do you mind giving us a quick summary of this chap- this week's chapter, chapter 46? So, yeah, as we... Um, Jacob has now agreed to go to Egypt, decides to first go to Bathsheba to give offerings to God. And um, there God speaks to him and gives him the okay to go. It's followed by a genealogy of the people of Israel who do go down to Egypt. There Joseph is reunited um, emotionally with Jacob. After that, Joseph gives instructions that they must present themselves as shepherds to Pharaoh. Thanks, Juliet. So I guess my first question is then, why does Jacob not go straight to Egypt? Why does he take this little diversion and go to Beersheba? And what happens that's important there? Beersheba is quite an important place for um, Jacob's family, isn't it? Because Abraham has spent some time there, hasn't he? And Isaac. In verse one, it says he reached Beersheba. He offered sacrifices to the God of his father, Isaac. Isaac was there, he met with God, he made an altar there, he um, dug a well and he worshipped there. Actually, Isaac and Abraham had dealings with, is it Abimelech? Beersheba. His way, isn't he, to Egypt? He's kind of accepted that that's where his family needs to be. But it seems to me that he needs some kind of reassurance, his journey. This is a special place for his family. I guess he's hoping to speak with God, meet with God, just checking that he's doing the right thing. Um, It's not always right, is it, to leave the place that God's made promises to you? So it must have been a big deal for him. Yeah, I think in Genesis 26, um, Isaac tries to go down to Egypt, speaks to him directly there, telling him not to. And so I guess it's like his plans before God and seeing if God 
speaks to him about them and he does yeah because it says god says doesn't he i am god the god of your father so this is in a vision at night says do not be afraid to go down to egypt so i wonder often when god says do not be afraid the person he's talking to is afraid so i guess jacob is feeling the fear of making a huge mistake you know taking your whole entire family and all of your possessions to another country is terrifying anyway and yet god makes these beautiful promises to him there doesn't he i'm i will make you into a great nation there like god's not not necessarily tied to one place is he fills his promises because he is him and not necessarily because we are in a certain place or doing a certain thing yeah, I, th- I really like the way that God said as well, you know, like you said, Mary, I am the God of your father, Isaac. And that the sort of appealing to the unchanging nature of God, like God, even though he's moving and things are changing for Jacob, his God doesn't change. And there's such a comfort for us in that, isn't there, that God's the the unchanging one when our circumstances are really uncertain. And I, I guess I just got into the head a little bit of, He's an old man, is Jacob, isn't it? And it's a long journey. And so just even aside from the, is this the right thing to do spiritually? It's scary for him, isn't it? Because he's vulnerable and weak and there's a lot going on. And he still hasn't yet. I mean, he's not seen Joseph yet, has he? And you kind of think, you know, he's been told that Joseph is alive. But here God is like, Joseph's own hands will close your eyes. Just love how God does that. He... He speaks to the places where we're kind of fearing the most or feeling the most vulnerable, doesn't he? And he speaks to Jacob's place of vulnerability, like, is Joseph really alive? Is this all going to be another big lie? Am I going to get my heart broken again? You know, all of these things. And God just speaks right into that in this really gentle and comforting way. Yeah, something I read said, God's very tender with an old man, isn't he? And I just thought that's lovely that... Yeah, God cares about the details that are bothering him and wants to speak into those with um, really helpful, comforting truths. Yeah, because Jacob has been throwing out, you know, in this whole story, throwing out all these predictions about how awful his life is going to be from now on. And I mean, if you look at chapter 37, uh, verse 35... Jacob speaking I will continue to mourn until I join my sons in the grave um and so his father wept for him that's when he's told about Joseph um dying I was thinking a bit about his life while I was studying for this and this is a guy who's lost his beloved wife in childbirth um he's been made to work for was it 14 years even to be able to marry her you know like he's had a really hard life hasn't he and yeah here we see God speaking directly into those vulnerable places to a guy who's been through a lot I mean I think I'm quite hard on Jacob sometimes but actually his life has been really tough yeah he's he's been a sinner but he's also been a sufferer hasn't he he's had Mm. lots of hard things to deal with himself um so Mm. I found it then fascinating he's just had this amazing encounter with God where God's spoken to him and then in the next verse verse five it says Then the sons of Israel carried Jacob, their father, almost onto the wagons. And we see such an emphasis of his frailty as an old man. Why do you think that's emphasised in that verse? I guess it's a reminder because he's going down to Egypt with 
um, his the nation of Israel. Yet it is God that's going with them. And just before he says, I am God, and don't be afraid to go down to Egypt because he's going to be there with them, making them into a great nation. And so it's sort of like a parallel of um, a reminder of Jacob's weakness and of God's strength. Um, yeah, I was reading in a, a commentary saying um, how this them traveling down to Egypt was a bit like Jacob going back to Esau. And there he meets with God just before he goes back to Esau. And he's reminded of his weakness in, in that moment as well, when God touches his hip and he knows God's blessing him on in that. And he, now he, he knows God's blessing going down to Egypt. Yeah, I, I find that really helpful personally. To, it, it's just so good for us to keep remembering, isn't it? God's the strong one, not us. And you know things might go well like here he's had a really amazing encounter with the lord and yet he's still a feeble weak old man and god's strength is the important thing yeah that that's mm -hmm. really good for my heart to keep remembering and yeah mm -hmm. when when things are going well it's so easy for us to take that back isn't it and think get me i've got this down whereas yeah we're still weak and feeble aren't we and god's the strong one that gives us his grace and his gifts mm -hmm. Now, my next question mm -hmm. is, and this is a bit loaded, does anybody have anything interesting to say about the next 20 verses? Because I struggle with genealogies. I've got a feeling that um, Juliet might have something more worthwhile to say than me. I don't know if you noticed in verse 21 that Benjamin called two of his sons Muppim and Huppim. Thanks, Mary. Anyone that is profound. There's one for the baby name book. <laughs> Genealogies are always important. <laughs> but, yeah, um, rebuke, rebuke taken, Julia. <laughs> I think if you look at the genealogy, you'll notice some of the names maybe that should be there aren't there um, of the people that haven't been born yet are included. And something I read said that actually the importance is um, much more symbolic, that in total there were 70 house of Jacob who came into Egypt. And that 70 mirrors off the 70 of Noah, the new generation um, of the people um, in the world. And then this 70 is um, the generation of Israel who are entering Egypt. It's significant because, yeah, this is a new nation of God. We'll see more of that in the following chapters, I think. I noticed when I was reading it, that um, I'm sure this is also earlier in Genesis, but Leah bore Judah, didn't she? And I just think that's significant, isn't it? That Leah, who's not this like beloved special wife of Jacob is the one who actually gets to bear the son who's part of Jesus' line. Okay, so <clears throat> 70 of them um, arrive in Egypt and then we have this emotional reunion between Joseph and his dad. Um, Helen wouldn't be happy about this because there's more tears from Joseph. Well, I found Jacob's response a little bit underwhelming. What did you think, ladies, about Jacob's reunion with his beloved son? He's kind of old at this point, right? He's like 130 years old. Um, <laughs> I kind of feel like strains of the old Jacob here. Like, I've seen my beloved Joseph and now I'm ready to die. 
are still alive and you know it's almost like my life is complete also it's it's there's a little bit it's a little bit more hopeful isn't it than his kind of what he's said in the past it's like he's his kind of bitterness is now kind of transformed into hope as he's finally um seen this beloved son again but yeah I did it did kind of remind me a bit of the old Jacob I the other thing I saw which I think is probably helpful is there's been a resurrection here hasn't there in that he thought Joseph was dead and now he's alive and that resurrection of Joseph I think is a picture for us isn't it of we can die in peace because of Jesus's resurrection and that brings peace to our deaths because we know there's a future hope to come and yeah I wondered whether there's little echoes of that that even though I read it at first and was like he's so negative like I'm ready to die now like okay actually there's a sense in which he's prepared for death isn't it because um the beloved son has risen from the dead and he's alive um so then there's this slightly bizarre section where Joseph becomes a bit OCD about what they say to Pharaoh and how they present themselves what did we make of that little bit well Joseph tells them doesn't he basically I'll go and speak to Pharaoh um, even though we know already from the previous chapter that jo- that Pharaoh is very ready to be very kind to Joseph's family and yet Joseph is like I'll go and speak to him and then when you have to see him you need to say your shepherds okay tell him your shepherds does take on this role doesn't he of representative between the brothers and pharaoh struck by that as well and i guess they could have easily taken um, advantage of joseph's position in the egyptian household and just become oh we'll also be generals or lords or um some higher position but instead almost like it's aware that this is going to be a temporary place for them they're journeys in Egypt and while at this point God wants them to be there um, that's not what God has promised for them because he has prepared for them a promised land and that land is not Goshen and so yeah I think it's almost quite humbling um, for them all to be able to go up to Pharaoh and say actually you know we're shepherds and we're going to stay shepherds and um, that's different from what the Egyptians are used to, but um, they're different because they worship a, the living God. So I was wondering whether there's something going on here that J- Joseph wants his family to have their own land, right? And to be able to dwell separately. It's almost as if he wants them to be separate from the rest of Egypt, even though coming and they're going to be provided for by pharaoh and all of this it's almost like he wants them to be able to keep their own identity and be in this i mean goshen was a very fertile place wasn't it it wasn't like he was relegating them to this really awful part of egypt but i guess you know we know that god wants his people to be a holy and set apart people and i guess it was like a very fertile place for that to happen for them to be able to flourish and to make lots of babies and to you know become wealthy and yeah I just wondered if if there was something of that going on as well the thing that I landed on a little bit like you said Mary was I yeah that's really great I'd not thought about the whole a separate place for them to be still God's people but 
Joseph's jealous for them to have the good a good part of the land, isn't he? And he wants to go to he wants to help them present themselves to Pharaoh in a way that's gonna um yeah, provide he, he I, I still think there's that heart of Joseph of wanting to provide for his dad, isn't there, and wanting the best for his dad and his brothers, which is remarkable after everything that's happened. You can imagine, can't you, that if they had become, you know, rulers or, you know, in the army or part of Pharaoh's kingdom and kind of just gradually filtered into Egyptian society, that it would have been hard for them to keep their identity and to keep building altars to God. And yeah, I just wonder how hard it would have been for them to then become this great nation if they'd just gradually, you know, married Egyptians and become more and more like the people that they were living amongst. Yeah, they'd have, they yeah. would have assimilated, wouldn't they, and just become, yeah, Egyptian. Yeah, it would mm. have been tricky for all of them. Because I think, like, in Hebrew, in the book of Hebrews, um, there's a, um, a part which talks about Moses having um, had to leave that royal position or position of power in Egypt. And it was, it was like stark what was used to describe that position like of the fleeting pleasures of sin or um, that the treasures of Egypt um, were worth giving up for, um, for greater wealth in Christ. And so I feel like, yeah, almost um, Joseph is aware of that. And he's also, as we've seen in last week's study that he was he's aware of his brother's characters and maybe he knew that his brothers might have been prone to being uh, led into those fleeting powers of, um fleeting pleasures of sin and and mm. um, wanted to guard their hearts in something that was much more precious um, yeah which is a great. challenge for us as well isn't it um yeah what kind of things are Fleeting pleasures that we might cling on to tightly when we um, actually need to keep seeking after the one that's, um, yeah, gives us true joy. Just thinking about applying this into our hearts then, I, I wonder if we're supposed to see, guess what, <clears throat> Joseph as Jesus and ourselves as the brothers or Jacob. Is there other helpful applications that you found ladies from this passage thinking about those sort of different characters and, and applying it into our lives as the Jacob brothers figures I loved the role that Joseph took on in this passage so even though we know that Pharaoh is welcoming of Joseph's family Pharaoh really likes Joseph um, and yet Joseph wants to be this kind of representative, this um, advocate between his family and Pharaoh in order to bring them in to the kingdom and to give them a place in the kingdom. Um, I think he must understand that this family can't come and dwell peacefully in Egypt without his intervention. And I just saw there, obviously, the parallel there, can't you? We, as um, God's people... Um, without Jesus, we can't come into God's kingdom and dwell in his kingdom without this representative who speaks on our behalf to the Father. Um, I guess, yeah, Jesus does that for us, doesn't he? And he's doing it now. Um, I mean, th 
thinking about our salvation, there's kind of a done bit of it, isn't there? There's a doing bit, like Jesus intercedes for us now. And then when we meet God, our only hope for coming into God's kingdom will be Jesus and knowing Jesus. So I kind of see a parallel between Israel coming into this kingdom, needing Joseph to speak on their behalf, and us needing and wanting to come into God's presence, but needing Jesus. Um, yeah, and he did that through his death, didn't, didn't he? And we know that Joseph has gone through a terrible time in order for his brothers to be able to come into the kingdom. So, yeah, lots of parallels. When you both were talking about um, Jacob in um, Beersheba and his weakness there, um, I really felt like you guys were talking to me because um, we've been living where we are for uh, two years now and um, in almost a year we're going to be moving to another place um, and I just feel like uh, a lot of grief because um, we're just starting to make friends here and I feel like I, I'm not ready to like um, leave these friends and um, start all over again because I think when you move to a new place it takes a long time for people to accept you and start to get to know you um and but I was really struck that you know here Jacob is in a position of weakness and yet he's reassured by the the power and presence of God and um yeah in the same way you know I can know how weak I am in so many ways and um yeah know that like God is going before us and um is with us in wherever we are yeah in yeah. a much more tangible way even now with the holy spirit in our hearts so yeah mm. yeah because and he knows doesn't he just the way that he speaks to jacob like he knows those points of vulnerability in jacob and he knows our hearts as well and he knows what we fear he knows your individual worries about moving um and he will you know, if we go to him, uh, you know, Jacob took a detour, didn't he, to go to Beersheba. I wonder what he expected, but I think he hoped to meet with God. And and I guess if we seek God in those places of vulnerability, he will speak to us and comfort us um, because he loves us. And, you know, he loved Jacob, didn't he? Despite all his flaws, he clearly loves Jacob. Like to me, that's really a comfort because you can easily look at Jacob's life and think, wow, so much mess there. And yet God like speaks so clearly to him and clearly really loves him in his mess. Um, I need that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Tiny spoiler, ladies, but actually, you know, Jacob doesn't die here, does he? There's actually 17 more years that he lives and he gets to live close to joseph like what a mm. gift from god that he gets 17 years of living closely to the son that he thought he'd lost um mm. i was i listened to a sermon and I, i'm just going to read you the, some little notes i took from it because it just really ministered to my heart um where if we're thinking about um yeah joseph as jesus and him speaking to jacob it said the savior says come to me i want you near me i will provide for you you can't believe you feel numb 
But when you hear all the Saviour's words and the provision that he's made, you agree to go on that journey. The Saviour welcomes you and provides for you and you're full of regret about your wasted life. But living close to the Saviour changes you and helps you see God's light and kindness. And when you die, the Saviour gives you a solemn oath that you can rely on, closes your eyes and carries you home. And that just ministered so much to my heart that that's Jesus' promise to us, isn't it? That he wants us near to him and he wants us to experience the blessing of living close to him because that's going to change us. And yeah, sorry, that's a spoiler for what's coming with Jacob, but actually living close to Joseph changed him. And that's the same for us, isn't it? That we get, that What a privilege that we get to live close to our saviour um, who provides for us and cares for us in that way. So yes. maybe we should end it there, but lovely to chat, ladies. And um, we will see you all next week. Yeah, bye. Bye. bye.